<coughs> the Meiri wrote a sefer called Chibur HaTshuva, which, as it sounds, is all different masorim and inspiration to do tshuva. And he talks about why we begin saying slichus before Rosh Hashanah, and he's discussing the minig of the, what Svaradim do, they, be, they say slichus the whole of Chodesh El, beginning from Alabal. And he says, <clears throat> an interesting thought, why it is that we do this. He says, We've already explained, the correct thing to begin early and to daven and supplicate from a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and to inspire ourselves the tshuva, to do tshuva, and he says, outside Amram, we can compare this to this concept of darshan hilchas pesach kaidim le pesach shlashim yaim. We know there's a concept of before yam taivim, before pesach, before sukkah, the shalom darshan be hilchas achag kaidim achag shlashim yaim. You talk and you teach and you learn about the halachas of a yantiv before the yantiv in order to prepare for 30 days. So he says, likewise, because of this, it became a, a, a minig that um, became accepted in many places to begin by davening in tefillah from Rosh El and to wake up early and to say slichus so that our thoughts are purified and are clean when the Rosh Hashanah will come. Yatza El Betahara, so that El will end with purity. Venichnes Tishrei Bikadusha, and Tishrei can come with holiness. So it's a fascinating way to look at what it is that we're doing by saying Slichas, this concept of Shoylan Vidarshim Behilchas Hacha Kaidim Lacha Kaidim Yem. The reason why we talk about Pesach, we teach about Pesach for 30 days, is so that we can prepare for Pesach. It takes a while to prepare for Pesach, there's a lot of halachas. A lot of preparation, so we begin 30 days before teaching the halacha so that everybody gets in the mode of preparing for Pesach. And he says, likewise, we say slichas before Rosh Hashanah for that purpose, so that we can get in the mode, get ourselves in the mode of thinking about Rosh Hashanah and preparing for Rosh Hashanah, having our thoughts devoted to what we need to do to make ourselves ready for Rosh Hashanah, so that that will create a level of purity in our thoughts so that we can end El B'Tahara, so that Tishri could begin with Kedusha. Now, if we'll think a little bit about how it is that Slichus achieves this goal of purifying, purifying our thoughts and our minds and getting us engaged in Rosh Hashanah. One of the better known reasons of why we begin Slichus before Rosh Hashanah, <coughs> Mishabura brings down from Al Yeraba, Teres Kenim, other Paiskim, they say the reason is, is because in order to prepare a carbon, when you brought a carbon in the base of Mikdash, every single carbon required four days of preparation. So you had a carbon, you took the animal aside, you had it in a special room, where they, in, every day they inspected it for four days, day after day, to inspect it to make sure it doesn't have any blemishes, it doesn't have any movement. And when it passed inspection for four days, one after another, then it was ready to be brought as a carbon in, in the base of Mikdash. Now, <clears throat> In the, the Farshim say, the Paiskim say, this is a medrash that when in Parshas Pinchas it talks about all the karbanas you have to bring on all the other Yamim Taivim, it always says, That's the general language the Torah uses about bringing a carbon. Hikraftim means sacrifice. You have to sacrifice an oila. But on Rosh Hashanah it says, Vasisem oila. You have to make, you have to create a carbon oila. And Chazal say, Vasisem oila means, Asu You have to make yourself into a carbon oila. 
So on Rosh Hashanah, we have a different kind of obligation when it comes to what we need to do on Rosh Hashanah. We don't, not, not, it's not merely enough to sacrifice a carbon ayla, something outside of our body, so to speak. A carbon, we have to make ourselves into a carbon. Now, a carbon requires four days of preparation, four days of inspection. So we have to do that to ourselves as well. So that's why Slichus always begins minimally four days before Rosh Hashanah. So when Rosh Hashanah is on a Wednesday, uh, when Rosh Hashanah is, I'm sorry, on a Thursday, so then we have four days. So we start from Matzah Shabbos. We have Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. But like a year like this, where Rosh Hashanah is uh, on Tuesday, where Rosh Hashanah is on a Monday. So we have to begin the week before so that we have minimally four days. And once we begin the week before, we begin by, on Matzah Shabbos. That's why... The concept is it's a four-day preparation of ourselves so that we're ra'oi, we're worthy of being a carbon, to make ourselves a carbon to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Now, when you think about it, <clears throat> when they inspected a carbon uh, to see if it had blemishes, so now if a carbon had a blemish, there was nothing you could do about it. So that was it. You got rid of it and you got another one. So you, you didn't inspect to fix the blemishes. You inspected to ensure there were no blemishes so that you could bring it. So if you inspected a carbon once and it didn't have any blemish, so likelihood is that that was all you really needed to do. You didn't have to inspect it again and again. But they went through four days of expect, inspecting this carbon to make sure it doesn't have blemishes. It seems more that the pshat why they did it for four days is because they needed to be fully engaged in their minds about bringing this carbon before you brought a carbon to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Before you went and you took a carbon which was very much, it had to be with your whole heart and soul when you brought a carbon. So it required those four days of inspection, not so much for the necessity of the inspecting, but for the necessity of the inspector, that we should be fully engaged in it. And likewise with ourselves, when we're inspecting ourselves for blemishes, what we're inspecting is so that we could recognize that we don't have any blemishes. Chal Yisrael, the Pasuk says in She'er Shirim, Kulach Yafa Rayasi Imum Eimba. Chal Yisrael, Chalash Baruch Hu testifies, Kulach Yafa, you're all totally beautiful. You're perfect. Imum Eimba, you don't have a mum. The problem is that we don't necessarily view ourselves that way. We don't view ourselves, we, don't, we know our shortcomings, we know our faults, we know the errors that we've done, we know the problems that we have. So we don't necessarily see ourselves as worthy of being a carbon. And that requires four days of introspection, four days of looking at what it is, who we are, what our potential is, what it is that we can accomplish, simply to come to the recognition that we truly don't have a mum. And what that means is, is that whatever issues we have are superficial issues. They're all superficial issues. They're all things that can be rectified. They're all things that can be fixed. And there are things, there, there are things that with the right process and with the right inspiration, and with the right situation, with the right siyata dishmaya coming the, with the Asaras Yimei Tshuva and Yom Kippur, we can see to it that we can take care of those issues. But none of those issues are true blemishes. None of them are true mumim. Kulach So we inspect ourselves for four days before Rosh Hashanah to come to that conclusion that we're truly worthy of being a karma. <clears throat> the purpose we're trying to accomplish by saying slichas is to get our minds engaged in that level of introspection, to get our minds into the process of thinking about who we are and what we are, so that we can then be enough, our hearts and minds enough involved that we should be able to bring ourselves as a carbon, which took four days of being fully involved. Now when you think a little bit more into what this means, making yourself into an ayla, what does it mean that a person makes themselves into an ayla? 
<clears throat> Rav Shimshim Pinkus says just a beautiful thought about that concept. He says, te- essentially, making yourself in an ayla, what it should mean is, is you give yourself totally over to HaKadosh Baruch right? A shlamim is divided up. The Bailam got to eat some of it, some of it you brought to HaKadosh Baruch but an ayla, that's totally burnt up, total, total sacrifice to HaKadosh Baruch Now, that would sound like it means we have to totally sacrifice ourselves and I don't know if we're all ready to do that, to totally sacrifice ourselves to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We might want to say that we're ready to do that, but if we're honest with ourselves, that seems like a tall order. But he explains that that's not exactly what's meant over here. He says that for a person to totally sacrifice themselves, you can really do that by doing very little. And he explains as follows. He says that we have our, we have our own identity. In our mind, we have a description of ourselves and a, a picture of ourselves which we feel is pretty much what we need to be or who we need to be. If you approach a person who's learning in yeshiva and that person has a reputation of a masmid, he learns a lot, learns a lot of terror, and you tell him, well, you know, the chazanish, the way he used to learn was he just learned and learned, he never went to sleep. He learned until he collapsed. So why aren't you doing that? So the person would probably say, well, I'm not chaznish. <laughs> uh, that's not like, expected of me. If you approach someone who works all day, and then when he finishes work, goes to learn a mismatch and learns for an hour, and, and you, with a lot of mysterious nefesh, stays awake and learns for that hour, hour and a half, and then comes home and you tell him, well, well why aren't you learning four or five hours? I mean, the shach says that's what Balabatim used to learn, four or five hours. You say, well, yeah, that's what you know, I've learned. That's not what Balabas learns. Well, if you approach a person and you say, well, why is it that you're ever speaking Lashon Har? I mean, you know the Chavetz Chaim, he didn't speak Lashon Har at all. It, was, it never happened. And you say, well, I'm not the Chavetz Chaim. So we all have a certain picture of who we are, who we're meant to be, and that limits us. But we don't really feel that it's limiting us. We say, well, that's who I am. He says, Vasisim Oila is when we're ready to break that box. And we're ready to open up our minds to think, maybe there could be a different person. Maybe I could be a different person. And the change doesn't have to be a world-altering change, a life-altering change that we become someone totally different. Truly, even slight changes, often, more often than not, we don't make them because we just feel, well, we don't need to do that. We don't have to be that kind of change because that's we're a totally different kind of person. And if we're ready to make even that slight change, that very often means that we're now ready to look at ourselves differently. We're ready to view ourselves differently. We're ready to give up the old self as a total oila, so to speak. We're ready to burn that up to make a new person out of ourselves. And that's what we strive to achieve on Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah is a new beginning. Rosh Hashanah is a new start. We try to come into Rosh Hashanah with the concept of an asisim oila, that, that we're going to try to look at ourselves and see are we limiting ourselves? Are we holding ourselves back? Are we putting ourselves into a box saying, this is who I am, this is what I am, and I can't be any different, I can't change? If a person is ready to be a sisem oila, then they'll say, I- I- I'll open up my mind, I'll look what other people are doing, I'll look what people greater than myself are, do- myself are doing, I'll look what people of previous generations did. And maybe I could be a little bit like that. Maybe I could be a little different. Maybe I could make myself into a different person. And when we've done that, even if we make the slightest change, even if we add 10 minutes to our learning, if we dab them with a little bit more kavana, if we say less, less, whatever change it ends up being, however it ends up change, turn, defining itself, we've effectively accomplished Vasisam Ayla. 
That's the mindset. And to get ourselves into that mindset requires preparation. We can't drop into Rosh Hashanah and then suddenly change and that we even start to think in that way. It takes days of introspection. And while it's true that Slichas has a component of tshuva, the end of Slichas we say vidui. Um, some in Hagim say vidui sleep three times, we say over here vidui one time. But if, it's interesting that it's all at the end of the Slichas, that part. The vidui and the tshuva, because the tshuva al l'sha'avar is something that essentially you do during a Sarasi tshuva, that's what you do in Yom Kippur, you say al chait. We take care of the previous problems, that, that, that has to be done. But we do that at the end. The more important job is when we do that introspection and re- recognize that we're without blemish. We have a lot of potential. We're roy to be a carbon, we're roy to be a sisam ayla. And that takes time to come to that recognition. And we stand in front of our Kaddish Baruch Hu, bit so that our minds and our, our hearts should be engaged in this preparatory act so that we can then ha- be connected enough that we can enter Tishrei B'Kedusha. <clears throat> and it's, o- it's also another thought I was thinking is that what we essentially are doing with Slichas, the tshuva we perhaps are doing the most by saying Slichas, the whole process of saying Slichas, is simply doing that extra davening. The, throughout the year we have our tefillas, we have our three tefillas a day that we daven. And there are many things that we need and there are many things that Hashem gives us without us even necessarily appreciating it enough. Sometimes it gets taken away and then we do appreciate it. Sometimes we have a need and we daven a lot. And now when it become, it's coming Rosh Hashanah and essentially we need everything because we're not entitled to anything for the new year. We need life, we need parnasa, we need health, we need children, we need our children should be happy, our children should be healthy. We need success in so many different ways. So we need everything. And what we're doing, tshuva, is on the... We haven't approached life in the, with the thought process that we have to daven for that. We have to beg Hashem for those things. We have to put us, prostrate ourselves, so to speak, in a spiritual sense in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu and say, We don't deserve anything. And please give us all of that. And throughout the year, we're supposed to be doing that always when we daven for Hashem, but... We, that's challenging. It's challenging to do that. So before Rosh Hashanah, we had, add on this whole new section of davening, which we don't do all year. And hopefully we don't have enough time to make it habitual. And And this extra tefillah is supposed to penetrate our hearts a little bit to realize that that is who we are. We're people that daven HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We're people that recognize everything that we get or could get or can get is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And we need this extra tefillah to achieve it. And we need to really dive in the whole day. We need a tremendous power of tefillah. And the language of, of, of the, the slichas is very powerful language. It's different than the language of the regular Shman Esri that we dive in. We don't necessarily clarify in Shman Esri how desperate we are. How desperate the situation is. How important this is. But in the slichas you'll see that language again and again and again. And we say this is desperate. We are desperate. We don't have anything. Things are terrible. And it's that thought process that is so important to bring us to the level of realizing this is what davening really is. This is what davening is all about. So that we can then come to Rosh Hashanah and start to daven the way a man is supposed to daven in Rosh Hashanah, the way a person is supposed to daven in Rosh Hashanah, with that appreciation that without this we have nothing. <clears throat> so 
So those two concepts are, th- are things that should be going through our mind when we're davening slichas. And those are two things that can go through our minds whether we understand what we're saying when we say slichas or whether we don't understand what we're saying when we're saying slichas. Slichas is not easy to understand. But that much I think everybody gets it from the slichas is that what we're saying is that we're desperate. That much everybody understands that we're saying when we say slichas. And that aspect everybody understands is that by saying slichas we're just having our minds engaged in Rosh Hashanah. It's not something we can forget about at this point. It's not something we can overlook. It's not the middle of the summer anymore. <laughs> we're, not, we're, we're moving out of summer vacation into the mode of focusing on what our lives are really about, what's really important to us. And that's, that's, the, that's the importance and the purpose of being so busy with slichas for a week and now a week and a half before Rosh Hashanah. There's one other beautiful thought about slichas I say often, uh, uh, it's a very, it's a taka beautiful thought. And it's the concept of coming a little earlier, not showing up on the to- on, by the day when there's something so important that's at stake as being mamluch, malach, malachayam, lacham, as giving a Kaddish Baruch the recognition as the king of the world. That's something that requires, you don't just do it the moment that it's required, you, you start a little earlier. There's a story in Tanakh, <clears throat> which I recently just learned, about Shimi ben Geira. Shimi ben Geira had, had humiliated David HaMalach when he was running away from his son, Abishalom. Abishalom was, had rebelled against him and had caused all of Kali Yisrael to rebel against David HaMalach. David had to run for his life. And in the middle of the night, Shimi ben Geira humiliated him, threw stones at him, rocks at him. And Shimi ben Geira was the greatest Hamad Chacham in all of Kali Yisrael. He was the Rav Sanhedrin. And he had thought that David HaMalach had... had murdered the son of, of uh, Shaul HaMelech. He, he made a mistake. They thought so. But he humiliated David HaMelech. And for humiliating David HaMelech, that was an, an, an act of extreme treason. And he was Chayv Misa. He was a murder of Malchus. He was rebelling against the king and, he, king, and he was Chayv Misa. So when David HaMelech won the war against Abishalom and reclaimed his kingdom, so he was far away from Yerushalayim, and he was returning to Yerushalayim, and he was crossing the Yarden to re-enter Eretz Yisrael to go reclaim his throne in Yerushalayim. And Shimon ben Geir gathered a thousand men and came to greet David HaMelech and to ask for forgiveness. And David HaMelech didn't actually forgive him because a king can't forgive. And eventually Shimon ben Geir got his punishment. But yet David HaMelech didn't take revenge on him. David HaMelech didn't punish him and didn't hurt him. And his chief of staff, Abishai ben Tzruya, told him, you're going to allow this person to survive. The person who humiliated you, who was who was who was Mavaza Mashiach Hashem, the anointed of, of Akadish Baruch, Hu, you're going to let him go, get away with it. And David Amalek said, David Amalek said, <clears throat> he said a very powerful pasuk. He said, a person of Klal Yisrael can't be put to death today, because today I know that I'm the king over Klal Yisrael. He means, in other words, that on that day, David HaMelech was re-established as king. The fact alone that Shimon ben Geru, who had caused such humiliation to David HaMelech, came and prostrated himself and tried to, to seek forgiveness, that alone defined the kingdom of, uh, of the, the, the Malchus of David HaMelech. That alone put him back in his position as a king, was Mamluch, the, Melech of, uh, uh, the Malchus of David HaMelech. And... The, the, the point that David HaMelech was saying, as Rashi explains, is that, that this moment when I am being reinstated as a king is a moment of joy. And therefore, all is forgiven for this day. 
no retribution will be visited upon anybody at, in, in a, at a time as this. And the Ishbitzer says that very similarly is what we try to do by coming a little bit earlier with our slichas. We don't wait for the moment of Rosh Hashanah. We come a little earlier to be mamlach HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to recognize that everything we have is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and we need to daven if we want anything from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. By doing that, we're being mamlach Hashem. We're putting Him back on His throne. We're giving Him the respect that He deserves, and through doing that, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says that, a day, that today is the day I've become a king. No one will suffer on a day like this. Today is a day of joy. So the preparation for Rosh Hashanah that we're doing through Slichas largely also is preparing that it should be the right atmosphere in Rosh Hashanah. It should be the atmosphere of being Mamlucha Kaddish Baruch the atmosphere of, of a, new, a, new, a new inauguration, <clears throat> which is a day of joy, a day, a tremendous day where there's a tremendous rotsen from HaKadosh Baruch And through that, anything and everything that, that might be an issue will be overlooked. So these three concepts are concepts that we should internalize when we say slichas now, we're going to be saying slichas for a while. One concept is that, that our thoughts and our minds should become more engaged in Rosh Hashanah, more engaged into recognizing who we are, what our potential is. And uh, <clears throat> the second Nakuda is that we are royal to be a carbon. We can change ourselves enough that we are effectively sacrificing our old selves and making a new self out of ourselves that's royal to be a carbon in front of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And lastly we're, do, lastly, we're doing what we can to, to be Mamluch HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to place him on a pedestal, to recognize him as a king, so that the, the, the correct atmosphere of Rosh Hashanah is achieved. The simcha of being Mamluch HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which br- brings a tremendous ratzen and a tremendous wave of racham and mercy and bracha upon Kal Yisrael.